You know what they say brings a country together? A world war. My God, I hope we don't have that. I really don't. It's Monday. Hello, everybody. At 11 o'clock, we got a new show today. A new show on Monday. Uh, and as you can see, Michigan. My daughter, Gabriella, goes to Michigan. And uh, I am very proud of her. She is uh, in the musical theater program. And one of the top, well, in my opinion, one of the top uh, theater programs, musical theater programs in the country. University of Michigan. Go Blue! Great football team. We are 5-0 and now. I don't know when this thing comes out, but uh, this will be coming out soon. But uh, Michigan, man, we're going all the way this year. All the way. Great, great school. Great college football. Just a great school. Uh, a shout-out to my son, Dante. Dante graduated Berkeley School of Music in uh, Boston. Great school, too. God bless my two children. God bless my wife for bringing them up. So great. Uh, John, what are we doing? The one-man show. Man, we got a, we, we have a lot of dates I got to announce here. We got some dates. So yes. First one's going to be October 20th at Reading, Pennsylvania, Santander Performing Arts Center. October 20th. Okay. That's Reading, Pennsylvania? Reading, Pennsylvania. All right. Next one's October 21st, Glenside, Pennsylvania at the Keswick Theater. Wow, wow. Keswick Theater and Glenside. Yes. And then after that, in November, you have November 5th at Des Plaines, Illinois, Des Plaines Theater. And then finally, we have December 1st, Ridgefield, Connecticut at the Ridgefield Playhouse. Ridgefield Playhouse. My God. I think January, then I'm back at the Paramount in Huntington, right? January 21st, you'll be at the Paramount. January 21st at Huntington. Uh, it's pretty crazy. Pretty, pretty crazy. So uh, am I in Chicago? Don't I have, am I in Chicago, Rhino Nesty's Theater? It's not there? Well, you got some dates in between November and January. Um, January okay. 5th, Naples. January 7th, um, Steinmetz Hall. In yeah, Orlando, all right, put Florida. these, you know what, go to my website, chargepalmentary.net, and you just put in the date, you'll see the date right there. Click it, you can buy your tickets. Uh, for those of you who don't know, again, voted best show of the year in Las Vegas. Uh, it was just, uh, it was a hit movie. Uh, it was before the movie. This was the show I did before the movie, the Robert De Niro saw it. So if you get a chance, you should see it because it'll be a night in the theater you will never, ever forget. So, John, the show today is about great quotes. Well, we were talking about some great quotes before the show and figured why not do an episode about it. Why not do an episode about the great quotes that people have talked about and the meaning behind them? Right. Uh, the first one that you gave to me was from Denzel Washington. Yes. And it says, at your highest moment, be careful. That's when the devil comes for you. That's from Denzel Washington. Uh, Denzel said that, actually, he said it to Will Smith. At the night of the Oscars, when he uh, when he was way out of line, I'm sorry to say, but you know what? The devil got him. He slapped Chris Rock, and uh, Denzel pulled him aside and said, "Be careful. When you're at your highest moment, that's when the devil comes for you." And I think that's for everybody out there. You know, when you're doing really great and you uh, you know you got a lot of money, you're doing great and 
life is like you say, man, I, I can't, I can't mess up, man. I'm doing so great. That's when you got to be really careful because that's when the devil comes looking for you. You know, when the devil sees a junkie or somebody shooting dope or somebody who's just in jail, you know what the devil says when he sees him? He tells his other angels, he just goes, nah, nah, leave him alone. He's, he's great. He's one of my favorites. Don't bother him. He's doing great. Leave him alone. Let him do everything himself. But when he sees somebody doing really good, that's when he moves in. How many times have you seen that? You go, how could this guy fucking do that? How many times have you said that to yourself? This guy, who was like on the verge of incredible stardom, how could he do that? What the hell possessed him to do that? And you see that all the time. You know, great actors having a great career, and then they do something stupid like rape a girl or or sabotage their career? How does that happen? You scratch your head and you see like a, uh, a senator, a congressman, gets caught bribing people or stealing money, and you go, why would he do that? He, he had everything. Beautiful wife, kids. Why, why would he like risk that? And that's the reason why. He was doing so good. And those evil thoughts, they come in your brain and you decide to do something. I've seen it a hundred times, folks. I've seen people who are doing really well. And I say, wow, this guy's doing amazing. And all of a sudden, he'll do something fucking stupid. And you go, how could that be? You know, President Clinton, when he was president, how do you do this? You're the president of the United States, okay? You're sitting behind a desk, and you just look up, and you see this 21-year-old uh, intern. Now, you're the president, okay, of the free world. What the hell makes you think at that moment, you know what? I feel like getting a blowjob. I want this girl to come crawling under the desk and give me a BJ. And also, let's have some fun with the cigars. Please tell me what possessed him to do that. And I like President Clinton. He was great, you know, really. He was a good president. I liked him. Well, you know, he could never be president today. He's too uh, right, if you believe that. But what made him do that? How could that be? You know, I mean, uh, you know, Bush... Those people were lying to him about weapons of mass destruction. They knew they were lying to the country. Why would you do that? You know you're going to get caught. You know it. Or you get these politicians that get caught with a girl. Uh, who was that guy? Brown. I forgot his first name. He was, going, he was going to be president of the United States. He had a good shot. He's on a boat with a girl, and it's called monkey business on a boat, and she's sitting on his lap. I mean, don't you think? Don't you think? I, I, I don't get it. Uh, no, I do get it. Because you know what? You always have to be careful. Basically, here it is, folks. You wake up in the morning, and you got two choices. You can go good, or you can go evil. 
Every day you wake up in the morning, and that's it. What am I going to make? What's my choice going to be today? Do I make my life worthwhile, or do I just mess it up? Do I take drugs? Do I drink? Do I cheat on my wife? Or do you wake up in the morning with discipline saying, hey, I got to do the right thing. I got to work and do the right thing. You know, there's a book called um, Character is Destiny. And if you think about that, your character is your destiny. If you have a bad character, sooner or later, it's going to pop up. I, I think he was the one, I, I'm not sure, so please correct me if I'm wrong. He's the one who said, uh, we choose our joys and sorrows way before they happen. And I think he's right. I, I, I think he's right because it's really up to you, the life you want to have. If you want a good life, then make good choices. If you want to walk the tightrope and, uh, you know, have an unhappy life, then make bad choices. You know what? You can read all the self-help books you want. There's so many people out there that write these books that are way smarter than I am. But, you know me and my neighborhood logic, I, I believe in, like, keeping it simple. You know, you do bad things, bad things are going to come back to haunt you. You do good things, good things are going to come back to reward you. Life is about little things. It's about just not showing up late for work, um, not staying out late so you can't get up to get to work early because you got business appointments. Uh, doing your, if you're in college, doing your work, getting the great marks. It's really about just doing the right thing for yourself. Working out, getting up in the morning and start your day. You know, if you want to be a success, your day starts the night before. I don't care what anybody says. I used to think, ah, that's bullshit. I wake up, I know what I want. You know what? When you plan your day the night before, you have a plan. You know what? If you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. John Wood had said that, the great coach of UCLA. And it's like if you go to the grocery store to buy something, I always tell people, and you don't really make a list of what you want. You run around with the, with the card and the basket, going through the aisles, oh, uh, do I need that? Yeah, I need that. I, I'll take this, I'll take that. And then you leave and you go, oh, man, I forgot this, I forgot the milk, I forgot this. And you were there 10 times as long as if you would have thought about it the night before and said, all right, what do I need? I got milk. I need bread. I need something. If I have guests coming over, I need this. I need that. Then you walk into the grocery store. You get out. You got the list. Boom, 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 boom. In the bag, out the door. You're out the door and half the time you got everything that you need. Planning is important. You've got to plan your day. Um, I, I know that seems like logical, but so many people are not logical. What, what do you think about that, John? I think what you're saying is very similar to the quote that I was referencing to you earlier. That's my personal favorite. Yeah. And it's from Muhammad Ali. It goes, 
Service to others is the rent you pay for your room here on Earth. Wow. I mean, that's a beautiful quote. Service to others is the rent you pay for the room you have here on Earth. Well, Muhammad Ali was a man of the people. They called him the champion of the people. And uh, I think if you wake up in the morning, you have your direction, and if you're just kind to people, everybody walks around, and especially today, you know, John, with this, the world is so divided. My God, we've never been divided like this. I, I, I don't remember the last time. I mean, obviously, maybe the Civil War, and I hope we're not heading for one, to be honest with you. I mean, why can't we agree to disagree? I, 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 like I said, I'm an independent. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I'm kind of a common sense independent. I listen to everyone. Does uh, do the Democrats screw up? Yes. Do the Republicans screw up? Yes. You know, you know how I feel about politics. I don't, I don't really talk about politics. Could someone come in and get this country and bring it together? You know what they say brings a country together? A world war. My God, I hope we don't have that. I really don't. I, I hope we could learn how to live with each other. But before thinking of idealistic reasons like that, I want to be too idealistic. But you got to take care of your own house. You know, if you and your wife, and me, I'm guilty of this. We fight. Of course we fight. We're married 32 years. You don't think we fight? Please. But if you start off with just being kind to each other, just be kind to your wife and let her be kind to you, and then work from there. Be kind to your children. Just be kind to them. And I think you'll have a better life. You know? Do children need to be disciplined sometimes? Of course. I'm not saying not to. But just be kind to people. Be kind to the cashier. Be kind to the cop who stops you for a ticket. You don't know what they're going through in their life. You don't know the demons they're having right now, just like you're having demons sometimes. And some people, you know, they're nasty. But if you're kind to them, you know what? Maybe they'll turn themselves around a little bit. And maybe not. But just be kind to people. What do you think, John? I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah. But there's another quote here that you finished it for me. I started telling it to you, and then you finished it for me and knew exactly who said it. And it says, in three words, I can sum up everything I've learned about right. life. It goes on. It goes on. Robert Frost. You want to sum up life? It goes on. Yeah. I mean, people out there, you're listening to this? Think about this. No matter who you are, I don't care who you are, whether you are the king of Saudi Arabia, the president of the United States, life is going to go on without you. Nobody's that important. Life is going on. And 50 years from now, who knows? If they'll even remember your name. Well, if you're the president, they, they'll remember your name. So why not, why not leave the world a better place and be nice? Be nice. I mean, the worst thing you could have people do is 
you know, when you die, and, and trust me when I say this, I don't care how nasty or mean or evil you are, people always find something nice to say about you when you're in the coffin. They go, well, you know, he tried, he was a good man. You know what? But that's not always the case. I've heard people that when they die, people were happy about it. They said he was a miserable bastard and he deserved it. I mean, who needs that kind of shit to take it to the next life, really? I mean, what do you have to leave in this world? What? You have art and you have children. Your good name and your good name. I mean, don't you want to have a good name? Don't you want people talking about you like, think about it. Think of the friends that you knew that passed on, that you loved, that were great people. You see how people talk about them? I mean, Paul Newman, there's a guy. And I didn't know Paul Newman at all. But I look at his life. Paul Newman, and still does, gives hundreds and millions of dollars away to charities. He had a career that was amazing. No scandals. Great actor. Married to the same woman for God knows 50 years or whatever. I mean, if you had to pick an actor's career in the perfect life, I would probably pick Paul Newman's. If you told me you could model your career after anybody's, I, I would have to say Paul Newman. I, I don't know anybody that had a better career than him. Uh, have people won more Academy Awards, more things? Yeah. But quality of material that he did and what he did for service of the world? Wow. I, I don't know anybody. Wow. I really don't. Here's a quote that just gave me goosebumps from reading it. It's yeah. from Steve Jobs. It says, being the richest man in the cemetery doesn't matter to me. Going to bed at night saying we've done something wonderful, that's what matters to me. Wow. And uh, that's by Steve Jobs? Steve Jobs, yeah. Well, I mean, he should know. He was the richest man in the cemetery, that's for sure, when he passed on. But it's true. I mean, where are you going? You can't take the money with you. Where are you going? With all this money, where are you going? You know? Uh, but leaving something, leaving something or doing something that benefits your family or mankind, how great is that? Uh, who's the quote? I, I can't think who it was, and I hate to misquote people. They said, if you want to live forever, do something to outlast it. Wow. If you want to live life forever, do something to outlast it. In other words, do something that really means something. Now, don't get me wrong. If you happen to be a, a, a regular person who's got a regular job, that could mean being a great father. And leaving the memory for your children, saying, my dad was the best father I ever had. Or your wife say, he was the best husband anybody could ever have. That's something. Or leave something for mankind. But leave something. Feel something. It's not about who dies with the most toys wins. It's really not about that. And nobody ever knows. Nobody ever, and I say this to you guys, did I ever know 
when I was growing up in the streets in the Bronx in the 50s and 60s, that I would ever be where I am today. I never thought, that I ever think about it back then? I, I knew I wanted to be an actor. I, I knew I wanted to write, but did I ever think that, I, 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 I have to be honest, I knew I was going to be successful. I remember a story, my friend Sal Orso. Sal, are you out there, Sal Orso? Great guy, uh, one of my dear closest friends. We grew up together. And we were, he told me this story. I remember it vaguely, but he remembers exactly what happened. He said we were in a hallway, because in the wintertime we used to stay in the hall, because it was cold out, you know. And we would hang out in the hallways, in the buildings. And he said it was rainy and it was cold. And I remember him and I were alone there and I was looking out outside of the door with the glass in it. And I said, uh, I said, hey, you know, I said, Sal. Um, he was Sally Slick, you know. But he wasn't the guy in the movie. I named one of the guys in the movie. He was not a racist at all. He was a good guy. And I said, hey, Slick, um, like, uh, th there's got to be something more than this. I remember saying that to him. And he just said, he looked at me, he said, what do you mean? I said, I don't know. I feel there's, there's got to be something more than this. I want to do more than this. And he said, I don't know. This is pretty good to me. And he started laughing. And that was Sal. That was Slick, man. He was always happy. Always and you know what? He got married. He got his great job. He retired and we're still friends. And he lives out there in uh, Portland, Oregon. And uh, he's still happy. Always laughing. He calls me. We laugh together on the phone. But we were like, uh, I think 11 years old, if I remember. You know, he would, we would ride the bikes together, him and I. And... Uh, I tell you, Slick, I love you, man. I miss you. And I don't know where I got on that, but uh, he was a, a great guy and smart, too. And a, uh, I, I miss him. I wish he lived here. But we, even though we're not together, not you know, we're still great friends, but we talk on the phone and we're like, we've been together forever. Say hello to your wife, Teresa, for me. Okay. What do we got? What's the next quote? So the next one that we really liked was from Albert Einstein. He says, in the middle of every difficulty lies opportunity. Wow. In the middle of every difficulty lies opportunity. Well, come on. How many times have you people give up when they don't realize they're right close to winning? They give up when they're right there, right at the edge. Right at the edge. Just, just hang in there a little longer and it'll be successful. I mean... Um, we, we, this is an episode about quotes. I mean, Thomas Edison said, oh, he said, uh, inventing the a light bulb was easy. I, try, I did it a thousand times. You know, so he's saying the thousand and one time is the one where it worked. And that's what he was trying to say by that. He just kept doing it and doing it until he got it. He got it, you know, if you get it on a thousand one, that's it. You know, I remember when I when I wrote uh, A Bronx Tale, the one-man show. I was in the theater in L.A., uh, 
And I could only practice between, rehearse between 12 at night and 5 in the morning, 5, 6 in the morning. And I used to go there at that time. They gave me the key to the theater, and, and I had my tape recorder. Then back then, you had the cassette tape, so I'd press it, and I'd be doing the show in my head and doing it. And it'd be like, I'd be te- uh, it was the crap game scene, and I was doing like five guys talking all at once, and it just was a mess. I couldn't get it. I tried. I tried again. I tried for hours, and then I just sat down, shut off the tape recorder, and I dangled my feet over the stage. I'll never forget this. It's back in 1988, and I just says, I I don't know if I could do this, man. It's just, it's not working, you know? And then I says, okay. It was like 3, 4 in the morning, and I said, I got to do this. I got up again. I put a fresh cassette in the tape, pressed the button, started doing it again, the crap game scene. You know, JoJo, Eddie Mush, Sonny, all the guys talking at once. And then finally I got it. I realized the thing that I had to do was turn, clap my hands, spin. And then it just hit me, and I got it. And I'll never forget the fulfillment that I had, the proudness that I had. Proudness, is that the correct word? You know, and I, and I never forgot that, never. It was like, it was so difficult to do, and I got it, I got it. And then the first time I did the one-person show with an audience. There was just a chair, just a chair. No lights, no sound. And I did it at this theater for the first time. And I was nervous. I was scared, I have to admit. And I did it, and the place stood up, and they were applauding me for five minutes. You know how long a five-minute standing ovation is? It was really weird, like... um, and then that, I was the last play that night. So I walked downstairs and everybody kind of walked out of the theater with me and everybody was in front of the theater and they were and they were talking to me and telling me how much, wow, I never seen anything like that. Uh, you did a whole movie on stage by yourself. How did you? And I was just like blown away by all this. You know, I was so happy because the, the idea in my head finally manifested to doing it you know I had this idea of of clapping my hands and it was like cut cut every time I clapped my hands it was another cut of a scene and I'll never forget it because when everybody left I was all alone just sitting there standing there on the corner on Hollywood uh, Boulevard and I just said I was alone after hearing all this wonderful thing and I went wow I think I got something now. I think I do. So I started walking towards my car, which was about, I think, two blocks away. You know, I parked it far away because I was embarrassed. You know, it had a piece of rope holding the door together. And it's the truth. And the engine was leaking water. And uh, it was a 1972 uh, Honda Civic. And uh, I'm walking towards my car. And all of a sudden, after all the years of frustration, I scream so loud. I'm like, ah! I mean, long and loud. It was like years of frustration coming out of my body. It was like, 
it was like releasing this demon. I don't know what the hell it was. And all these people turned around, people opened windows. Are you okay? They're screaming. And then I looked up and I said, I'm great. And I walked and I, I got in my car and I started crying. I started my car and I drove back to my dump in North Hollywood. But I was so happy because I knew I did something. And how did I do something? <clears throat> it was hard. It was worthwhile. The harder it is, the bigger risk you take, the more rewarding it is. If you're scared of something, you got to do it. That's the time to do it. Don't forget that. If anything you're afraid of, if you're not scared and you don't have anxiety about it, that means it's, you're not breaking new ground. That's your mantra. If I'm afraid of this, I got to do it. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky. That's right. What happens if you didn't take that shot? You miss 100% of the shots you don't take, Wayne Gretzky. Always take a shot. You heard that story. When I wrote Bronx Tale, people were saying, ah, it's never going to work. I don't know what this is. What are you, are you doing a movie alone? This is crazy. But you know what? I believed in it. I knew it was going to work. And I did it. All right. This is Chaz Palminteri. This was a great show today about quotes and about inspiration. I hope you enjoy it. I got my blue stuff on, my blue shades, blue hat, blue shirt. Go blue. I'm telling you, we got a great football team. We're going to go all the way this year. All the way. A shout out to my daughter, Gabriella, and my, my son, Dante, and my wife, Gianna. Uh, it's a great time. It's great to be alive, folks. Uh, Michigan's doing great. Also, my restaurants, uh, 264 Main Street in White Plains, uh, 30 West 46th Street in Manhattan. Two of the best Italian restaurants all around. John, one more time. We got to say it. Where am I going to be? The one-man show coming. Go to chaspalmentary.net. Where is it, John? October 20th, Reading, Pennsylvania, Santander Performing Arts Center. Yes. October 21st, Glenside, Pennsylvania at the Keswick Theater. November 5th, Des Plaines, Illinois, Des Plaines Theater. Wow. December 1st, Ridgefield, Connecticut, Ridgefield, Ridgefield Playhouse. Playhouse. In January, I am at the Paramount Theater in Huntington. So get your tickets because it gets sold out fast. If you never saw the show, you got to come and see it because it's, it'll be a night in the theater you won't forget. The show I talked to you about before, this is the sh original show that I did with just the chair. Uh, won best show of the year in Las Vegas, and it was a hit on Broadway. God bless you all. Uh, I, I miss you all, I, and I hope to see you at, my, at the shows or at my restaurants. I'll be there. See you next week. <laughs>